the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And having bid farewell to Summer of Sharks in the last episode, different Predators this week, we're covering erotic thriller Wild Things, directed by John McNaughton. Well, folks, I hope you like your shit hot this week because we're covering 1998's Wild Things, directed by John McNaughton and starring Denise Richards, Nev Campbell, Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon. And of course, we're back in the realm of the erotic thriller movie, which we haven't touched upon for quite a long time since we did Scorned last year. So it's uh, been fun to get back into it. So the synopsis I'm going to read is not by Nick Reganis, unfortunately. Daniel Williamson on IMDb has written a pretty good synopsis as well to detail some of the plot and wild things. Sam Lombardo is a high school counsellor living in Blue Bay in South Florida, whose life is turned upside down. Kelly Van Ryan, the sexy and seductive daughter of billionaire Sandra Van Ryan, one of Blue Bay's powerful and elite members of the community who has a crush on Sam, accuses him of raping her. It gets even worse for Sam when troubled bad girl Susie Toller steps forward and claims that Sam also raped her. With Sam's career ruined, he loses respect from his students and the community. While believing both Kelly and Susie have framed him, Sam hires freelance lawyer Ken Bowden to defend him in court. Investigating the case, police detective Ray Duquette suspects a conspiracy involving Sam, Kelly and Susie, but finds that nothing is what it seems. Absolutely nothing is what it seems in this thriller. And we're going to be looking at the extended version. We both have the very, very nice Arrow Blu-ray of this movie. And I was going to originally watch my old Entertainment in Video DVD. But firstly, we were going to cover the extended version, which is not on the DVD. And secondly, my... Faithful Wild Things DVD gave up the ghost. It would not play. There was pixelation all over the place. And then it just decided to jump into a point in the movie about two thirds of the way through. And I could not get it to play any other content from the disc. So farewell, Wild Things DVD. Hello, shiny new Blu-ray. And I think the transfer is absolutely incredible. It looks great in 4K. Considering this is an over 20-year-old movie, it does look fantastic. It's really sharpened up the picture and everything, which is really great. So Wild Things, it had been a while for me since I'd seen this movie, and it has lots of twists and turns to it. So please note that there will be spoilers in our discussion. I think the best version of this film to watch is the extended one, because it really adds more layers of plot into it. 
And I believe that when they'd announced there was this unrated version that had come out, people were expecting it to be um, a lot more steamy than it was. But actually, instead of focusing on any more prolonged sex scenes, it actually has more detailed plot points in it. And I think that really works for the film. This is a film that just continually is there to shock you at every moment. There's a twist around every corner. And again, it just expect the unexpected. And I believe this movie just gets more and more twisted as it unravels. Yeah, absolutely. It does wrong foot the audience quite a lot. Just when you think you've got a handle on what's going on, another level of plot is introduced. Yes, it's kind of far-fetched in one sense, but it's all within context. You can kind of see where all the characters are coming from. And it is ridiculous. And it's kind of wanting you to buy into the fact that it's ridiculous. There's a lot of purposely crafted jokes in this movie. It's kind of a spoof of the erotic thriller in one sense. Although it does deliver on all the sex and violence that you would expect in one of these erotic thrillers. But the fact that you have somebody like Bill Murray in the middle of it, it does give you a hint as to how seriously you should take this movie, which is not really seriously at all. I love this movie. I loved it when I first saw it. It doesn't get any less entertaining. Everybody in it brings their A game. There's great performances all the way through. It rattles along at a fair pace. It piles on all the plot developments that you would want. As you said, it looks great. The soundtrack's really good in it as well. The really good sort of steamy, Florida-based score in there. And there's some really memorable dialogue as well. So if you like your shit hot, as Bill Burry says at one point, and I just said at the start of this recording, then dive in because it is really great. It has aged extremely well as well. You'd think that something that was shot in the late 90s and has kind of a, I mean, it does pull in the spectre of some kind of sexual assault, and you think it's going to be done in a tasteless way, but because of the way it's treated, and because of the way the plot goes, I'm not telling you where the plot's going, particularly with this, but it's treated with the right amount of decorum and respect, and basically because most of the characters in this are kind of horrible on various levels, then when you're seeing them put through the ringer, you quite like seeing them try to squirm out of all these situations that they're in. Yeah, you're never really sure whose side you're on, and that's okay, because it's just to enjoy the whole like melodrama unfolding. I say this film is very much a dark comedy as well as an erotic thriller. They kind of meet in the middle. And for me, it's very much evocative of films like the crush or crude intentions it's definitely in that vein but i think it, this film blows those elements up even more because it is trashy and it knows it's trashy and it's absolutely ridiculous and it just takes you on literally a wild journey you know that's why it, you know it is called wild things and i think what's most iconic about this film that everybody will envision when they think about wild things is the whole lesbian sex scene between Nev Campbell and Denise Richards. 
think Nev Campbell was fresh off the first two Scream movies and she wanted to shed that kind of good girl image of Sydney Prescott and do something, you know, a little bit more daring. And then Denise Richards was kind of new on the scene and she was um, willing to go that bit further with the nudity. Nev Campbell, not so much. She had a no nudity clause in her contract and that was down to working on the family-based show Party of Five at the time as well. But that said, this film doesn't need to be overly gratuitous to be titillating and I think that it just hits the right notes there. It shows enough and it leaves enough to the imagination in which I think it's like less is more. And I think people might have gone into it expecting this to be a lot more gratuitous than it actually is. Yeah, I think it sets itself up to be more sleazy and disgusting than you end up being given, which is absolutely fine. I mean, John McNaughton has a bit of a track record in stirring people up. Obviously, the guy directed Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. So he's got no qualms about poking the audience with the stick. But he's a really good director. He's made some really interesting movies. He made an absolutely crazy sci-fi movie called The Borrower, which if you haven't seen, just see it. It's so bizarre. I'm not saying it's a classic of the sci-fi genre, but you'll watch it and you'll think, what? What is this movie? Back to Wild Things. That isn't as bonkers as The Borrower, but it does have its moments. And I think that It throws in a lot of different elements of the classic thriller. You've got this plot in which a guy's trying to clear his name. You've got a bit of a courtroom drama thrown in. You've got murders, spoiler alert. So you've got all of this stuff getting thrown in. It's classic thriller tropes, but just turned on their head. Certainly the courtroom sequence, even though it doesn't form a particularly massive part of the movie, does spin the plot around a bit it does kind of send the second half of the movie in a different direction. And you get the line where Denise Richards' character Kelly finally loses her shit in court with Susie, who is on the stand and is just blowing holes in various theories. And she's just had enough. And she throws a glass at her, doesn't she? She throws a glass at her, it misses, it kind of smashes, and she yells, you skanky bitch. And it's (laughs) it's just, it's a great line. I'm just waiting for it every time that I'm watching it because people have a go at Denise Richards. They say, well, you know, is she that great an actress? She's really good in this. Lay what sort of criticism you want to at Denise Richards for other movies, but she is really good in this movie. Absolutely. And I think what really makes this film is the strength of all the performances. All the actors in this work so well together. There's not a bad performance at all. Absolutely, yeah. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon's perfect for the school counsellor because he's got that kind of movie idol look, but there's also something slightly darker going on behind the eyes with Matt Dillon. He's an incredibly handsome guy, but there's also something about him which is kind of shifty and you don't really trust what he's doing. So he's perfect in this role of this school counsellor who he may not be whiter than white and certainly not what he's portrayed as. He's supposed to be like this educator of the year, but all that facade starts getting torn down when he keeps getting accused. But even the cops aren't above that kind of level of seediness because even though Duquette, played by Kevin Bacon, on the face of it seems a very straight shooter very by the book, wants justice to be done. The more you spend time with him, the more you think 
this guy's not on the level either. Everybody here has got something to hide. Definitely. And I think going back to Matt Dillon's character of Sam Lombardo, is the fact he starts off as this like upstanding citizen and obviously he's got these advances being thrown at him by Denise Richards, who's a schoolgirl, and it's very uncomfortable. And you can see at the start that he is trying to keep his distance from her. And you think, no, he's meant to be a good guy, he's meant to be a good guy. And then you'll soon change your whole perception as the story unfolds. He is the worst. <laughs> That's all I will say. <laughs> and yeah, Kevin Bacon as well. Fantastic in this film. I love Kevin Bacon. Whether he's in movies or E adverts, he always delivers. And in this film, he really does deliver. So we have to talk about his accidental nudity shot in this film. So there's a scene where he comes out of the shower and apparently he'd done this take about five times or something. And the one they left in was the one where you see everything. And I think that's quite refreshing for a film that's kind of just to kind of admire the male body as well as the female body. Because in a lot of these films, they are mainly directed at men to ogle women, but you get a bit of both in this film. Kevin Bacon did have no nudity clause in his contract, but as a producer on this film, he kind of let it slide. And then I think he actually came up with some campaign about more male nudity in films called Free the Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he does seem a very good guy, Kevin Bacon. And he's a particularly good spot in this movie because with him being the producer on this, you could think that Kevin Bacon would look at the movie and think, you know what, I'm executive producer on this movie. I could give myself a bigger role. I could, I could make Duquette more of a hero than he actually is. So it's refreshing that Kevin Bacon was like, no, no, you can make me as grungy and as unpleasant and as creepy as you want. Even though I happen to be one of the guys putting the money in the movie, he's got a great role and he, he must be quite proud of producing this. It's a pretty good movie to have on your credits, producer, actor, whatever. It's a great thing. Kevin Bacon does stand back a little bit. Duquette's in the plot quite a bit, but he takes a back seat for quite a lot of the movie. But when he is in the movie, he does influence events quite a lot. And towards the end, you do realise that Duquette, he is not a good guy at all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's crazy about this film. One minute when you think you can trust someone, especially the authority, and that goes by the wayside. It's just twist after twist after twist. And it's absolutely brilliant, the whole thing. And as you say, I think it has aged well. I mean, you're looking at it through a 90s lens. A lot of things have changed since then. And I think it could be argued that it is quite gratuitous in terms of how it portrays the female characters. But I think you just have to overlook that because it, its intention isn't to represent anything negative towards the LGBTQ community. It is just a film about corrupt, deplorable people doing corrupt, deplorable things. And that's what makes it so entertaining. And, and I think with these erotic thrillers, they're never made to be taken seriously. They're going to go overboard every time, literally. And someone does go overboard in this film. Yes, somebody does, quite nastily. And you're right. <laughs> I mean, I think they threw, they threw the lesbianism in because it's saleable, isn't it? And to be honest, it kind of forms a bit of the plot because it's one of the deceptions that one of the characters employs to make people think that they're okay with them. Now, 
people might get excited to find out that the pool scene between Denise Richards and Nev Campbell is longer in the extended version. Don't get too excited, though, because it's not particularly explicit. It just goes on a little bit longer. The bit I thought was most amusing, because it's being filmed by Kevin Bacon's character, and it's the look on his face when all of that stuff kicks off, and he kind of doesn't know where to put himself originally. He's kind of glancing around nervously. And then five seconds later, it's like, oh, I'm just going to continue filming this. So it's kind of one of the hints where you kind of think, uh, Dequette's a bit of a sleazeball, really. But it's all meant to be taken in fun because of the outlandishness of the plot and the ridiculousness of all the conspiracies that are swirling around all the characters. It's one of those movies that it works perfectly within its own context, but you can't step out of the universe. You could start saying things like, well, that would never happen. They couldn't have set that person up. He wouldn't have been able to predict this. Don't worry about all of that stuff because that's not what you need to be concentrating on in this movie. It's not a forensic examination of a crime. It's just a load of people who are all trying to double-cross each other. And it's hilarious and it's quite thrilling. And, bonus, you get Bill Murray as a lawyer who is fantastic in it. He's the greatest sleazy lawyer on celluloid. He's only in a little bit as well, but damn, he makes an impact. And one of the extended sequences, there is a very short sequence where he is celebrating his big day in court and he takes the opposing counsel to the most horrible Mexican restaurant you've ever seen. It's absolutely hilarious. I love Bill Murray's character in this movie. I'm sure that they just let Bill Murray do whatever he wants. At one point, he's got this signed agreement and he's just kind of rubbing himself with this agreement because he's so delighted that he's won this case. It's just it's just bizarre, but it fits the movie so well. And when people think, well, you know, maybe there should be more Bill Murray in this. There is an argument for that, but you get your ration of Bill Murray. I think if he was in all the time, it'd be too much. Here, you're just waiting for the point where he comes back into it because you're waiting for that lawyer to come back because you're enjoying the character so much. If he's in all the time, it's probably too much of a good thing. There's just enough Bill Murray in this movie for me. I'm completely with you there, yeah. He is one of the best parts of this whole film. And it's just the comedic timing with him and just how he portrays the character. He's a very confident persona. Like, he knows he's going to win. Even though, as I say, like, he's, again, very corrupt and sleazy, but he is out there. He knows what he wants and he knows how to get it and he knows how to bend the rules. And as I say, that scene in the... Um, I think it was called the Cafe by the Sea or something, the restaurant. It's... Oh, it's... Or the Cafe by the... Under the Tree. It's, un- under like the, it's called Under the Tree, the restaurant. Yeah. So the Cafe Under the Tree. And, I mean, it had been so long since I'd seen Wild Things, so I wasn't aware that that was an extra scene, but... Damn, it's good. It makes it. It just kind of exploits the cockiness of his character. And yeah, it's a little gross out moment as well. His character is one of the highlights of this entire film. I'm completely in agreement. And then you've got Nev Campbell. Like, she is a revelation in this film because she goes from a bit edgy, then you get this vulnerability with her character. I think she is one character that you can emphasize with the most because in this threesome with Matt Dillon and Denise Richards, it's always kind of implied that. 
the two of them are the ones that are really into it with each other and she's on the sidelines and she struggles with that and because there's that struggle with the fact that Denise Richards character is wealthy and she's influential she's got that power and then Nev Campbell's character has just come from the slums and everything there's that conflict there as well which she plays really well and then she completely surprises the whole audience towards the end of the film so it's just pretty awesome like how her character developed and just goes to show you know what dynamic actress she is yeah she's great in this doesn't get overshadowed by the other actors in this movie and again she's not in the movie quite as much as the others there's a very specific reason for that but again the screen time she has she's very impactful she's one of the most impressive characters in this and you're right you do side with Susie a lot more because she hasn't had the upbringing the others have she doesn't have the money of Kelly she doesn't have that kind of prestige that Sam had and that status, because Sam kind of hangs around yacht clubs and things like that. And people in the community, well, they love him at the start anyway. So he's obviously traded on that previously, and he's a bit of a playboy. Whereas Susie, he's very down-to-earth, lives in a trailer, keeps herself to herself. So you are going to side with her, naturally, than these people, and you kind of want her to win through at the end. Shall we say whether she does or not? Well, I'm willing not to spoil it. Yeah, we won't spoil it too much. I think you've just got to go with this movie. But I think if we talk a little bit spoiler territory at this point, because the extra scenes. Now, Wild Things is a film that isn't afraid to push the envelope. It pushes the boundaries as far as it wants to, with a big smile on its face. However, what I'm curious about is there is a revelation towards the very end of the movie where Kevin Bacon's co-worker, the cop in it, she ends up speaking with Susie's grandmother at the trailer park and she discovers something quite disturbing and it'll change your whole perspective of the narrative once you've had this nugget of information. It blows the whole thing apart in quite an uncomfortable way, but again, it still works for the film. And I'm wondering is if this all got cut from the theatrical version because maybe censors were too afraid to go there? It's very possible. There's certainly quite a bit of stuff in the extended version that is right at the end of the movie and gives you details that you don't get in the theatrical version, which open the plot out quite a bit. I suspect that you are right because some of the material in those extended sequences, I think your average cinema goer in the States is probably going to feel quite uncomfortable in any number of ways with these extended sequences. There's an extended sequence at the end where you get to know whether something happened or not between Kelly and Sam because it's always hinted at in the movie as to what exactly happened between them on that fateful afternoon you do get to see what happens in the extended version and I guess the MPAA took one look at that and thought no fucking way is this going in in an R-rated movie because it's probably the most explicit bit in the whole movie and it's not in the theatrical version likewise there's a sequence where Susie is in Sam's office and they redubbed a bit of dialogue 
in the theatrical version, the line of dialogue that Susie says is completely different to the line of dialogue that she says in the unrated version. The unrated version, it's more hilarious. It's spectacularly rude. And again, I think people looking at that as an R-rated movie just thought, no, that's a step too far. We can't have a say in that. Now, it's quite cleverly done because you don't see her saying the dialogue. It's over a shot of Matt Dillon and something else. So it's easy to overdub. You don't see us actually mouth the dialogue. But again, if you've seen the original version and then you see the unrated version, I mean, I know the theatrical version back to front. And when I first watched the unrated version, when it got to the end and she said that line of dialogue, I was like, what? what? Whoa, hang on a minute. No. That wasn't the line of dialogue before. It's got a few surprises up its sleeve. Even if you know the original movie, the unrated version is a bit of a treat. Absolutely. Um, it's been a while since I've seen a movie like this. And yeah, even though it is uncomfortable, makes you think, what the fuck? It's still, as I say, it's the context of this film. You just can't get angry at it or think, no, that's gone too far because... It's just what this movie is. It's an exploitative movie. It's sort of, as you say, parodying exploitative movies. That's what it's there to do. Yeah, as I say, I, I think that was probably the likelihood of why these scenes got cut. But obviously they've been reinstated now. And I think it would be weird for me if I rewatched the theatrical cut because there'd be so much, so many things I'd be expecting in it. I and mean, obviously the Bill Murray scene, I think that has its place in there. That shouldn't be taken out. At the end, before the credits roll, it's just like it hammers all these quite inappropriate scenes. But it, it's just perfect for the tone of the movie. And it gives you more context of why this happened, why they're doing what they're doing. But I suppose, again, even though both Denise Richards and Nev Campbell were comfortably in their 20s when they made this film, they are playing high schoolers. And that's where the lines become a bit blurred. It's like, it's, you know, disturbing to see these very young teenagers in this kind of situation with someone so predatory like uh, Sam Lombardo. So when you put it into that context, it's up to you how you view it. I mean, obviously, they look young, but not that young. So obviously, they're old enough to be acting in these scenes. But it's when you're actually applying it to the story itself. It's like, no, these, these girls are like super young. I think they're meant to be 16, 17, around that mark. Yeah, they're kind of high schoolers, aren't they, sir? Yeah. 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 Towards the end. I believe they are towards the end of like their senior year, because at the beginning, when they have the assembly, where Matt Dillon's character is talking about the sex crimes, uh, which sets it all up nicely. I think Denise Richards says what she's going to miss about high school is seeing him every day. So it's to suggest that they are getting towards the end. But it's still quite icky, no matter how you put it. This film is icky. But we love it because just for everything that it does, it is trashy, but it's good trash. It is, absolutely. And, of course, you can tell the tone of the movie because when uh, Duquette gets up to talk about sex crimes in front of the high school, he says something like, "Uh, does anybody know what a sex crime is? And some jock shouts out, not getting any. So so that's (laughs) that's the level of the movie. If that jerk is going to upset you, don't watch the rest of the movie. If you're fine with that piece of humour, then go with it. You'll have an absolute blast. It is weird that the unrated version seems to be almost like a different movie when it gets to the end because it does put such a different spin on the plot. If you've seen the original version, yes, everything does hang together and everything is justifiable. But the unrated version throws so much extra information in 
that you really do get a sense of why all this has come together. It's a shame that they didn't put the unrated version out, but as you said, with censorship and some of the situations, and certainly with it being high school students, they do convince quite well as high school students. It's not like the cast of Grease, where these people are clearly pushing 30. Denise Richards looks particularly like a high school student. Nev Campbell, slightly less, but still convinces quite well. So you're right. I mean, I think if you're casting people who actually do look the age that they're supposed to be playing and then throwing them into this sort of plot, there is going to be some level of uncomfortableness about everything that's going on. But you just have to go with it. And it's not meant to be a particularly brutal indictment of guys who prey on people. Because, again, minor spoiler alert, the people who are set up to be the predators, they really get what's coming to them. And that's what's so satisfying. I think if that didn't happen, if they like changed the narrative and turned it into Matt Dillon and one of the two girls kind of riding off in the sunset together... I think that would have left a bad taste in my mouth because it's like, no, this guy is horrible. I want to see him get his just desserts. And it it really does deliver. I I have no complaints about how this movie ends. It's just so weird and twisted. But I think the 90s was rife with these types of movies. I think there was one with like Alyssa Silverstone called The Babysitter and of course The Crush, which is again, quite uncomfortable because the age she was when she made that. And then there was Drew Barrymore and Poison Ivy. There was like all these very objectifying young girls. There was a trend of that in the 90s. And I think this one just takes it to the next level because those other movies took themselves more seriously. This one doesn't. It plays on all those tropes. And again, I think it's become a bit of a a cult classic. I mean, of course, Arrow Video have made the new the Blu-ray and everything. So I think it definitely falls into that category. It's not a movie for everybody. But if you want into something a little bit dark, a little bit daring. And at the time of recording this, we are in the middle of a UK summer heat wave. So I think given the kind of muggy Florida weather that's shown in this um, film, it's definitely the perfect film to watch during a heat wave because it just adds to that intensity of everything that goes on in it. Yeah, absolutely. Dim the lights, get the windows open, get a glass of something cool and then sit back and watch Wild Things because you won't be disappointed. It's a really entertaining movie. It's funny. It's thrilling. It's got some great twists. Performances are fantastic. I can't really say much more about it other than that I fucking love this movie. It's great. I could watch Wild Things again now. I probably will after we've finished recording. And yeah, on that note, I'm completely echoing those sentiments. I don't think I could have uh, said anything more there. IMDb have given it a 6.6 out of 10, which I think is okay, but... I would have given it a little bit more. I think it deserves more credit. And then on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it has 63% tomato meter and a 53% audience score. Now, I think people are kind of making this movie seem pretty average. And I think if you look at it, it's like, oh, it's just another generic erotic thriller. You aren't going to get much out of it. But I think this movie is clever. It's kind of a grade above the rest, in my opinion. So I think I would have put this more in like the 70s, 70% rather than... Yeah. Uh, that kind of middling average score. But, yeah. you know, I'm not on Rotten Tomatoes, so what do I know? <laughs> no, that's true. And I think if you're going into this movie expecting a lot of gratuitous nudity, if you're expecting something along the lines of the stuff that, like, Delia Shepard and Shannon Worry and Shannon Tweed did, you're not going to get all of that. It's a lot smarter, as you said. It is a parody of all those sort of movies. 
and it's more interested in wrong-footing you and throwing twist after twist after twisting. It doesn't need to have people naked every two seconds, which a lot of these erotic thrillers did because the plots were flimsy. It was just an excuse to build some titillating content around a sort of thriller narrative. But the thriller narrative of those movies generally wasn't all that strong. Here, it's all about the thriller. It's all about the twists. It's all about how you get to the end. It's all about all the double crosses. It's who will survive and it's who who won't. It's not about, all right, okay, how can we get somebody naked in this sequence? That stuff kind of organically shows itself, literally, out of the plot. It's not kind of, oh, all my clothes have fallen off now. Like Shannon Tweed bending over the pool table in Scorned. It's like, there's nothing like that in Wild Things. All the erotic content is earned in Wild Things. Whereas in a lot of the other stuff, and there's nothing wrong with Scorned. And there's nothing wrong with all that sort of ilk of movies. But here, it's more concerned with entertaining you and twisting your mind around what the plot's doing. Rather than just like, okay, there's some woman here. Right, how do we get her clothes off? That That isn't the level that this movie operates on, and it's far better for it. And somebody like John McNaughton wouldn't be making movies like that anyway. John McNaughton is an extremely skillful director, and his projects are always carefully chosen, this one in particular. I'm pretty sure he had a pretty good time making this. I haven't seen a lot of interview footage with him about this movie. There is stuff on the disc which I haven't got to yet. But if you were handed this project and this cast... You'd be having a blast making this. I'd have had a massive grin on my face every single day directing this if it was me. Yeah, and I think it's definitely plot first, any nudity is a bonus. I think that's how you have to go into it. But it's it's not all about the nudity. It is definitely about the twist that turns the thriller element. And that's what makes it so great. Thoroughly enjoyed a rewatch of Wild Things. I'd like to revisit it again in the future. Tempted to try out the theatrical version just to see how that lands with me, but... I think it's all about the unrated version because it just adds in those deeper plot lines and it doesn't feel like it's dragging either. It's not those, that sort of thing where, oh, cut for time or anything like that. I think these scenes are earned in this movie. And it only runs at 115 minutes as opposed to, I think, something like... 108, the, the original. 108, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it doesn't really go too overboard with the runtime. So 115 minutes ideal movie runtime absolutely and i think it's a sign that my original theatrical cut dvd has died it just pointed me in the direction of the unrated version and so i think that's where i'm going to stay from now on it's meant to be so thank you very much arrow video for producing this fabulous new disc i, I absolutely love it i do wish we could chat longer and that's it for episode 76 of the hd movie podcast as always thank you for listening and if you enjoyed this content and want to check out our previous episodes and stay updated for our future episodes, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Coming soon, episode 77. No surprise there. But what is a surprise that we're going to be doing a double bill next time. What is that double bill going to be, Hayley? This double bill is a movie and its sequel. And it's a movie that was released in the late 80s slash early 90s. And it stars John Travolta, Kirstie Alley and Bruce Willis as the voice of a baby. Well, if you haven't got it from that amount of information, where have you been? We're going to be covering 
Look Who's Talking and its sequel, Look Who's Talking 2. This is going to be a good one. So make sure you re-watch both movies or if you're watching them for the first time, enjoy <laughs> and come back to us next week for a very fun and interesting discussion about movies that were kind of popular at the time, but whether they've aged well or not, that's all to be told. Until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbeat.